Hello, hope you're really well and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. You might notice we have been a little bit absent for more than a couple of weeks, which I am very, very sorry about, but some scheduling issues did hold us back. It is all okay though and I'm hoping we will be back on track from here on out. Um, You just got to bear with us a little bit while we try and find our rhythm again this side of lockdown. I'm also hoping to snag Nigel back for the next episode. So watch this space. I know you have all missed him terribly. So this week I am playing back a rather lovely interview I did with the very, very talented Declan McKenna, whose new album Zeros is wowing critics and fans alike. Declan and I discussed early success, ongoing expectation and the musical heroes whose influence he has cleverly woven into a set of much more personal songs than we have seen previous. So that is coming up a little later but first let us get into some recent edit editions that are not to be missed. So first up this week, we have Emily Barker's A Dark Murmuration of Words, which contends with a modern era built on racial and gender inequality, poverty and slavery, environmental exploitation and the climate crisis, finding them all connected by the dark shadow of patriarchy, pursuits of power and the suppression of history. This is a wonderfully crafted and really deeply beautiful album with wonderful, wonderful instrumentation that just kind of carries you away, if even for a moment. We have this on Rough Trade exclusive green vinyl, limited to just 500 copies. So check out this last track on the record. It is super stunning. It is called Sonogram. I woke up and forgot the myths that Next up and Sun Racket is the brilliant and brand new album from legendary Boston trio Throwing Muses. Follow up to 2013's Purgatory Paradise, it is an outpouring of modal guitars, reverbed shapes, echoey drums and driving bass. The band have been playing together for almost... I think over 30 years now, and you can feel how effortlessly Kristen Hirsch's stories narrate her band's kind of wall of sound. So yeah, here is a preview from the album. This is Bo Diddley Bridge. Next, and recorded over two days on a 24-track tape machine last November, Melbourne's Floodlights present debut album From A View. It comes from a distinctly Australian perspective with a kind of shambolic, very catchy sound that melds 80s indie rock with 90s New Zealand's jungle pop. If you have enjoyed the recent output from the likes of RVG and Spike Fuck, then this is right up your street. It is very, very much up mine. It's a gorgeous record to see out summer with. You can grab it on special yellow vinyl while stocks last. And the band are also presenting a 
special transmission for our Instagram TV series tonight. So do head over to at Rough Trade Instagram to catch that when you can. Yeah, so here's a little preview from this one. This is Tropical Fun. And finally this week we have the Lemon Twigs who released their third album Songs for the General Public a couple of weeks back and it is bloody glorious. Um, At first I wasn't really warming to it as much as their previous outing but I took a trip to East, um, maybe it wasn't last week, the week before and it was playing loud and proud in the shop all afternoon and now I am fully converted. Elton John actually is a really big fan and you can often hear his musical influence woven into Twigs's really bold balladry. Again they have crafted something very very fresh which comfortably sits alongside those 70s glam throwbacks that the Lemon Twigs embrace so so wonderfully. Um, Here is a song from the record, this is No One Holds You. There we go. That is my edit album picks for this week. Catch up on all of our selections in store or online. And of course, you can check out our playlist, which I will link in the show description for further listening. Earlier this week, I hosted a very special online Q&A with Declan McKenna celebrating his new album Zeros, the interview portion of which I'm about to play back to you. Declan was so great to chat to. He has got so much to say about his music and his experiences and he is just one of those artists you can instantly tell is super passionate about what he does and he's very, very engaged with what he creates and kind of the wider world around it. So here we go. Enjoy this and I will catch you in the next one. Let's welcome tonight's guest. Hi. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. You must have had a pretty busy weekend. What with the album being out on Friday? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very busy. Um, Yeah, just found out it's sort of number one in the midweek. So it's been all go and all go for the rest of the week now then. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, records finally out and... um, just kind of got one more week of <laughs> going pretty ham, but um, it's all it's all exciting, you know. Yeah. I feel like, I say it must feel, or does it feel a bit kind of surreal that the album is kind of out? Because it's, it is no secret that 2020 has been kind of unlike any year before it. And we've had, obviously, mm-hmm. a global pandemic. Um, we've seen disruption to everybody's lives and livelihoods. Um, actually, at Rough Trade, we've kind of, 
witnessed so much of the kind of impact that it's had on the wider music community. And one thing in particular that I've noticed is obviously release dates. Um, and I read somewhere that you actually finished Zero's in August of 2019. So you've yeah. kind of sat on the record, I guess, for nearly a year now. Um, so does it feel a bit weird in a way that it's after waiting for so long that it's finally out and everyone can hear it? Yeah, it's strange. You know, these things feel like they're going to go on forever, like when you're waiting to release an album. And um, it was quite, you know, it, yeah, it was a long time ago. We were finished, you know, it was all mixed and everything by the end of last year, pretty much. So it was just like, I don't know. I was kind of under the impression that it would come out a lot sooner, but uh, obviously a lot of things changed and these things do sometimes just take a while anyway. But um, yeah, things have been pretty crazy. Um, but it's, it's, it's been good, you know, it's, every, everything's been kind of, you know, going nicely and like it's been, the thing about now has been, you know, it's allowed people to engage with the music and listen to it and giving people time to do that. So, um, you know, it's been, it's not been, it's not been the worst for me. It's just, you know, obviously been a very peculiar time to do, do all of this and like has kind of taken away a lot of the, um, a lot of the kind of, <laughs> I want to say redeeming qualities, but just like, you know, a lot of the really fun stuff about releasing a record, going out and playing shows and, um, you know, exploring and all of that stuff has kind of been missing, which is a shame. You know, you feel it, you feel it missing. Yeah. Do you feel a little bit, I guess yourself and other musicians, you're all in the same boat. So does that in a way feel like, you know, it's not, you're not kind of alone in that situation and at some point it will come back and then there'll be this amazing celebration of the fact that you can go out there and do it the way that you would have wanted yeah, to. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I think so. I, I, you know, I think people are hopeful about gigs and the, the good thing is, you know, that people are looking to you know, an end of this and looking to towards, um, you know, what the next steps are and people are already, already excited for, you know, what's to come when we are out of this. And so, you know, it'll be, it'll, it'll be nice when it does happen. It's still, you know, it's still not, there's no certainty on anything right now. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the fact <laughs> in every conversation is just like, we actually, uh, you know, so out of, um, it's so out of our, our depth to know really what what next year is going to look like and all of that um but yeah it's you know it, I, I think people are excited and um and it's cool I, i'm excited you know I, I can't wait to play some shows next year i think that's going to be really really special i think there's going to be something you know really cool about that and um you know going to be a newfound sense of unity or something like that you know the, the gigs are going to feel really really good yeah i'm kind of i'm i agree with you i'm really excited about that when it comes back, because it's something that you just took for granted before, I suppose. Uh, we all did, yeah. and just would never have ever thought that it wouldn't be there for this amount of, amount of time. It's yeah. One. Um, so I talked to quite a lot of artists about kind of pressure, and I think there's long been a kind of cult built around debut albums a kind of kind of fetishization, if you will, and I think has created kind of the now infamous difficult second album tag. Um, so I wanted to kind of rewind to 2017. Um, you've released your debut album. What do you think about the car? It's been really wonderfully received by both critics, critics and fans, um, particularly with the very poignant writing about political and social issues. Um, 
So at that moment, did the idea of a second album seem like incredibly daunting to you? Yeah, I, th I think it got less and less daunting, you know, in a way. I mean, it waxes and wanes when you make a record. One minute you're like, this is this is the shit. And then the next you're like, this is, I, I can't do anything right now. But um, I think I, I, you know, I sort of over the period that, that, that came after the, the, the first album coming out, I, I was gaining confidence because I felt like, I never felt like I knew what I was doing. And then I kind of let myself feel like that. And, it, it, you know, a lot, a lot of things started changing for me um, in the way that I created, in the way that I understood what I was doing and wanted to move forward. And it's like that kind of thinking that can maybe sometimes lead to the difficult second album being like such a challenge maybe for, for, for a lot of artists. It's like, you know, believing that you have to completely, you know, re rewrite the books. But it was quite freeing for me and like, you know, getting out of that first album actually being like I can make a, a full project here. I can really think about this as an album and have the space to do that um, was exciting because the first album had been such a, and not a complete mishmash, but like it had come together from so many different sessions and so many different periods where I was writing. And this, this album came, it, it was over, a, you know, over a year between the first and the last song being written but like most of it seemed to come from like one bulk of time and then the recording was one bulk of time and with each step I was kind of gaining an idea of what I was doing and that you know um so yeah from from releasing the first record onwards like I I was kind of excited because it just I actually had a platform to do what I wanted to do and I felt like I also had a chance to do it better <laughs> and yeah that, that was exciting for me but you know the process was definitely turbulent after that but I, I did I did feel confident and I've gained more confidence now in it I think um, you know I feel I still feel really proud of the, the, the songs we made even though it was last year and um, yeah I think I kind of ended up eventually going down the right path with it anyway well I think yeah everyone here definitely I'm sure would agree with you there um, you seem like incredibly relaxed and chilled and kind of happy, which is obviously wonderful to see. Not that everybody who's putting out albums, even at your age, is, you know, scared and kind of nervous and anxious all the time. But I do talk to lots of people about kind of, I guess, the expectation that there might be. And the feedback I often get is that, um, you know, maybe one album in, 10 albums in, whatever it is, that that kind of pressure doesn't ever really go away. Mm. Just to kind of become better at dealing with it. Um, so I guess, have you developed any kind of really great ways to take time out from recording and working all the time and to kind of focus on or just kind of not worry about what anyone else is thinking or not thinking? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, I used to kind of not think about how much rest I had. And then at one point from touring and just like, I don't know, a stage after just spending a good few years working pretty relentlessly. Like I was like, I actually I think it was kind of getting back from touring the first album. I was like realizing I needed to have hobbies and things like realized that I actually needed a bit of structure, which I was always, I was always against the sort of structure in my life. But like, as soon as I was kind of out of school and uh, I went touring and then I came back from touring and I had no structure. I was like, I was definitely missing like 
yeah, giving your brain a rest and like actually just, you know, stepping aside from what you're doing. Um, the, pre the pressure like thing is, is so difficult to overcome in uh, the music industry, especially now every everything's so visible. Like you can see, mm. you see a million things that are nice that people say about you, but you'd see, you know, a couple of horrible things and that just ruin your whole day. So it, it's kind of, you know, it can be hard to relax on it, but um, I'm feeling I'm feeling happy at the minute. I'm feeling feeling confident. You know, I'm. It's been a it's been a rough sort of journey along, and like especially the last few months have been a lot of sort of hard work and a lot of just like trying to trying to have that control and trying to you know make sure I'm actually not sort of overdoing it for no reason and not in this space where I feel like I have to do absolutely everything to be the most successful thing I could possibly be because it's just not you know you learn over time that's not the healthy mindset to go into this sort of thing with. You have to just, you know, be there to enjoy it. And um, I think at this stage now, when I've had such positive response with it, I've had, um, you know, been able to go out and see people's reactions, but also just that sense of relief that's just actually, actually got to this point that I've been waiting to get to. And it's like, it is very relieving and it is just like, finally, I can, I can kind of chill. I've, I've, done, I've done my thing. Um, yeah. Well, I haven't completely finished the whole thing yet, but you know, it's out, and that is that is kind of set, settled a lot for me. Yeah. Do you have many? I don't want to use the word mentor, but people in your team, maybe even family members or friends, or are you kind of good friends with any other artists that have given you sort of great advice, or you feel like you've really kind of lent on or been supported by, kind of basically since you kind of started out. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of people really in a big way, um, you know, I've always had such a supportive family and, you know, from the off, they've sort of always been very, very supportive and just like always coming to the shows and just always, you know, excited about what I'm doing, which is, which is really nice to have. Um, but, you know, yeah, this I, I, I'm always kind of bouncing off other musicians, you know, um, but we kind of always have the same, you know, problems with things. I spoke to Maggie Rogers a lot over lockdown just about kind of being stuck in this sort of, I don't know, boring cycles of just like not really know what to do, staring out the window. But like we a lot of the time do have the same problems and work in the same environment and we all aren't really, I don't know, we, we work in a business that none of us really like are that catered to working in. We just... We like the music side and the rest of it is like actually really stressful. Um, so yeah, but you know, I, I think that's kind of the best mentor uh, people who are, you're kind of, you know, leveling with kind of people who you're kind of like sharing your experiences with. And it's like, it takes a load off when you, um, when you sort of, you know, realize that you, the stuff that you feel, the stuff you worry about is, um, is shared and I feel like I've had those sort of conversations with her and with uh you know I don't know who like the murder capital spoke, spoke to you guys about similar things and like Clara and just like most of those music just have similar experiences and similar struggles and I think there's a nice sense of camaraderie that's like it's not a competition and we're just like musicians sort of are always helping each other out and I think that's I think that's really nice definitely I guess particularly as I know you have obviously abandoned things, but being a solo artist, I guess people probably view you very much as like a, 
a solo entity, whereas like some, you know, like the murder capital or a band, they have each other, they're kind of all on this level platform. Mm. So that's really great that you've got lots of people to talk to and feel like you're kind of part of a, a team. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It is it is different, you know, a different environment being on your own, but you also have kind of less people to argue about decisions with sometimes, but, it, you know, it, it's always balancing out, but it's just nice to know that there's people who sort of listen and, like, also it's just, a, you know, constant give and take, and it's just very, you know, it's nice that most of the time when I'm interacting with other artists, it's just a positive thing, and it is kind of you know people looking out for each other because you know it's tough like a lot of the time people don't accept that like working in music is, is pretty tough sometimes but it, it can be because it's stressful and it's um it's fast paced these days you know it's yeah. it, it's it's a lot of work i'm just going to turn this lamp on because i'm getting really dark i've got like a pink lamp i know the summer is, the summer is not with us anymore i know it's such a shame okay i'm gonna be a bit pink now yeah. <laughs> um so I re referenced earlier uh, some of the political themes uh, explored in your debut. Um, but with Zeros, it kind of feels much more like a, a sort of personal album, um, perhaps closer to home, so closer to your own experiences, perhaps those of peers or certainly young people. Um, the song Beautiful People in particular um, spoke to me. It's about social media, the kind of selfies and the kind of Instagram culture that has become kind of somewhat uncomfortably comfortable in our modern life. So I wonder what your relationship was with the internet and how much you think it has kind of influenced your kind of rise as a musician. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird, you know, it's, uh, it gives and it takes again. It's like, I, I really love the internet. I spend a lot of time on the internet and I think there's some amazing communities and, um, you know, people really sort of find their people online and really sort of find, um, learn a lot and, you know, share a lot. And I think there's so many positive things, but, um, about, you know, social media and the communities they, they create. Um, I think the challenges just lie in the pace of everything. Maybe, I mean, that's probably oversimplifying, but like, you know, um, it can, it can, you know, be that. It can, it can be less rewarding. It can just be like this dull, repetitive cycle, and it's like just. Give, I, I think it's kind of how it breeds anxiety. Really, is just like you know this slow, uh, dull, repeated sort of, I don't know, worry and influence of so many different things. You know, seeing, yeah, the beautiful faces, seeing the, uh, you know, some terrible atrocities going down, down around the world, like it just gradually kind of chips away at you. And I think, in it, you know, scrolling on the internet can kind of play out in a similar way to an anxiety in the sense of like, you know, it's just the low level worry. And it's like, if you're constantly being fed low level worries, then I think, mm -hmm. I genuinely think that is a, a problem right now. Like there's, I don't want to say most people my age, but like a lot of my friends and a lot of people my age, you know, share the same anxieties or share at least in the fact that they, they, they suffer with anxiety. And I think that's definitely a lot of the responsibility of uh, social media, but also, you know, that song in particular, Beautiful Faces kind of does, touches on, you know, um, our culture and our media as a whole and just how, um, 
you know, how the influence can be all encompassing, I guess, and how intimidating it can be. And um, I think those feelings were just kind of encapsulated in it. It's kind of the big brother voice or something singing in the chorus. It's like creepy. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that you say uh, pace because I guess, do you ever worry that this kind of sped up society that social media has created while obviously with its many benefits is also perhaps kind of a real challenge for, for artists in terms of career longevity does that ever kind of come into the mix at all yeah yeah it is a struggle for artists because there's there's a pressure to keep releasing stuff and i've felt that and um you almost don't know what to do or how to go about releasing music nowadays because it does feel like the sort of you know, the algorithms want, want it again and again, so it kind of keeps growing. And um, that seems to be the case all over the music industry now as it's becoming more streaming-based um, and just more internet-based, you know, TikTok-based music is sort of becoming a big thing. And, like, um, it just does make kind of, you know, people are completely rethinking the releasing of music and... You just want to get the balance of being not being like you know someone in the 60s yelling at the beatles but also like uh like wanting to still have you know value in music and wanting it to not you know the the, the work of musicians not to be sort of seen as this thing that is taken for granted and like you know just comes out of nowhere and it's like you release an album and not even the day it's out, the day before, it's like, is there more music coming after this? Like, people are so keen to get it. And that can partly be a positive thing, but generally speaking, it feels very, very, you know, you can, you, you can, it can tense you up over time, that sort, of, um, that sort of thing. And being, yeah, constantly encouraged for more. It's like, well, do you really want more if it's not as good? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but... It's it's you know it's hard it's hard to get the balance and that 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 you know weighing up those questions in your head can be taxing as an artist for sure. Yeah, I guess so. Like you say, you know, it is a balance, and while there are kind of these kind of troubling things that I guess only the future will kind of uncover for us, it is also the way it's allowed people to communicate better, and obviously mm. it's an incredible platform to promote your music in so yeah, many yeah. ways that were never there you know, in the likes of the 70s, 80s. Um, it is quite a unique thing in that sense. But I guess it's just important that we always have it kind of at the forefront of our minds as it is something that can be a bit kind of, a bit of a challenge, a bit of a hurdle at times. Um, and then we yeah. can navigate it in the best way we can. Yeah, I, th I, I think that's the point is that, you know, there's less sort of, you know, gatekeepers to music now. I think there's probably more bands having some form of a career in music, even if it's not, you know, the sort of big money industry that everyone talks about in the 90s or whatever, it's like, or I mean, it still is in many places, but um, spot, you know, streaming platforms and the, the, you know, the freedom of being able to upload music to there and have it, you know, land on, um, you know, different playlists and just, you know, it can spiral so quickly on the internet and, um, that that if you know that that is a modern the modern way and that is you know has worked for a lot of new artists um uh favor in some ways it's just get it as i say just us not sort of de letting that you know devalue the 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 art or devalue like you know how much 
time it can take on how much love can go into a record i think is the important thing um rather than it being just a given that that's what artists do now <laughs> i actually um kind of scoured the internet a little bit over the weekend i noticed a lot of your fans were kind of chatting amongst themselves about a lot of the influences that are kind of present on Zero. So I wanted to talk a bit about that. I'm sure you've spoken so much about it up until this point. Yeah. But um, you've obviously got a lot of kind of heroes, personal heroes, musical heroes, um, yourself. And a lot of those are evident in the album's tracks. So I wondered how you went about kind of pulling all the pieces together to kind of create an album that is really, really, really fresh, but at the same time, it kind of honours those bygone gems. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was listening to a lot of different music and I think there was a, a you know, a huge 70s influence on the album. I was kind of, I got my own record player for the first time, I guess, after, uh, after the first record, or a little while after the first record came out. So I was, you know, getting into just buying records and get, you know, got into a load of different 70s records. I was already a huge Bowie head. I was always, you know, into him and into Kate Bush. And, um, but gradually sort of found, found more stuff that I loved. And yeah, I wanted to sort of, you know, feel out those, um, just the, just the, there's certain essence to a lot of those records that I loved, the rawness or the strangeness or the, the energy, whatever it was. And, um, I think the important thing to me was to capture that and have my sort of band playing on it because I was just loving, you know, feeling like you're in a room with a band. I mean, an influence that might not, I might, might not crop up as often to talk about is like Pixies because I just think they're the best recorded rock band ever. They just it just puts you in the room, um, you know, similar to Nirvana, I guess, but with Pixies you just feel so there, you feel so close. Um, and I love that that about those records. And so, I, I, you know, I, I wanted something that would feel like that, but something that we could also play with because, you know, my music, starting out creating my own music was in my bedroom and was just messing around on laptops with different, you know, different things, or not even laptops to begin with, like an eight track recorder, you know, and just just it, it, pl playing around with it and, and finding new things. And so I think the record was getting the balance between that live energy, the rawness, you know, being in the room, but also using the tools at our disposal, you know, using the, the digital world. And I think, um, yeah, again, the sort of the old way and the new way kind of finding a balance with each other, I think, on the on the record was was a big a big part of it. But um yeah, I was I was playing off of my influences and trying to really be know what I was being influenced by and know how I was gonna also you know, take take things into into my own, and I think that was exciting to do because the first album was just writing. It was just manifestations, and uh, well, not manifestations. I don't know. It was just you know, it 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 wasn't kind of. I wasn't taking into account those influences in the same way. I don't think. Yeah, I guess it must be really exciting to put something like that together, and I think it's a real kind of testament to the kind of creativity that you've managed to kind of entwine, entwine, entwine those influences, but also make something that's very much you and is, and is very new. Um, mm. so that's really great. And I think, you know, it really pays off because the album's brilliant. 
Thank um, you. We'll notice those in there. Um, speaking of vinyl, though, you've got a really beautiful picture disc released for this album. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask if you're a big fan of vinyl, but you've kind of just told me. Yeah. So do you collect a lot of records? Do you buy new vinyl? Do you look for secondhand vinyl? How does that kind of weave itself into your kind of... Yeah, a bit of it all, really. You know, I I, I feel sometimes like I don't buy enough vinyl because I do, you know, I do really love the experience of putting on records. And, um, you know, I just think it's nice to remember to sometimes, like, just to buy a record, just to see what happens, you know, not have to listen to it on Spotify first. Just be like, no, I'm going to actually buy a record. Uh, and I, th- I think I, I think that's really nice, but um, yeah, I haven't had as much as a chance because a lot of the time it is sort of charity shopping or like stuff like that. You know, it's, it's where you can really sift through and find something. I find that you know that's not just a nice thing to do, and um, uh, you find some killer records charity shopping. You know, Graceland for a fiver or whatever. It's just like amazing mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I try and pick up pick up records as much as possible. If I really love an album, I'll always end up getting it on vinyl. But um, try try and make it more about just like supporting, you know, the the record stores and the artists every now and then, rather than being like I have to know I love this album to get it. But sometimes you get drawn into that more, more often. But yeah, recently I'm trying to think what what records I, I've got. Um, uh, got the Fontaine's album um just giving that a few few listens and like <laughs> cu- couple old old records but yeah as I say haven't really um been been out record shopping or anything like that in a little while <laughs> I've got a load of co- I've actually had a about 10 boxes of uh Declan McKenna's zeros turn up in the past <laughs> in the past few weeks so that's that, that that's one thing <laughs> if you know what's good for you behave yourself this time for me if you know what's good for you don't lay around complaining all the day oh my the boys are waiting on the line and they're not Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.